So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag, and thanks to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge, and Intrepid. Now, my guest this week is Nick Fisher. Nick is the chairman of Facewatch. Now, with a background of over 30 years in retail, including COO of phones for you European Services Director at Dixon's Retail, and at the same time was also part of the team that successfully launched FreeServe. For those that remember that, it was big. Uh, a comprehensive understanding of the impact of retail crime on both staff and the bottom line. Nick is now chairman of Facewatch, a cloud-based platform that uses facial recognition technology to deter and protect businesses against low-level crime. Now, it's fair to say Nick's mission is to commoditize facial recognition for all businesses and launch, in his words, the greatest advance in security since the introduction of CCTV. And you know what? I think he might just be right about that. It's all very exciting. So, Nick, welcome. Thanks, Paul. Great introduction. You make me sound important. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I have to say, before we get going, and I've been... Uh, aware of watching and in discussions with uh, uh, the team at, at Facewatch and a big uh, shout out to Simon. Uh, those that uh, know Facewatch will know Simon's been there for years. So it is amazing uh, for all the hard work that's gone on that we've arrived at, at this point, which uh, which yeah. we'll come on to in a minute, but it's great. Yeah. Now, look, you've got a very impressive uh, CV. I always like to Google and look on LinkedIn at my guests before we speak. And, and to be fair to you, it's quite hard to summarize all of those things uh, that you have done however what it doesn't tell me when I google you is go way back when young Nick in his short trousers staring out the window at school what was the actual intended career what did you want to do or was it always to be a captain of industry no I always wanted to be a footballer and okay. I was I was reasonably good but reasonably is not good enough these days as you probably know so uh I spent most of my dad was a, 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 a sports professional, a high level sort of a coached elite elite people and uh, one thing or another. So I, I was sort of a, a good standard of football, but obviously never never good enough to quite make it. So I finished up moving to the ski industry, funnily enough, and I worked in certainly in retail right at the start, skiing and windsurfing, taught people how to ski and windsurf and solve the stuff as well. Then a, a relative was at the RAC. My dad said it's about time you got yourself a proper job and stop mucking around. So I went there and I finished up running the rescue service division. If you've ever been past the glass building on the side of the M6, I was based there. Okay, know it well. And I went to uh, Dixon Stores Group, spent nine years there as the European Services Director, then to Funds for you, Chief Operating Officer. I've, I've circumvented 20 years there. So my background's always been in retail and then when, when uh, Fonsview's demised, I set up my own companies and sort of did various things then. And, and I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's been using all that experience to form your own things has been great. I've, I've never really looked back, to be honest with you. I like the autonomy and freedom that comes with it. Yeah, and you've got a really interesting mix of entrepreneurial, but big retail businesses as well. And I guess, would it be fair to say those big businesses, you were at the, you know, with them at exciting times. I mean, there was some... Yeah stratospheric growth in those organizations when you were there and I assume you take all of the credit for that because it would be a shame not to really wouldn't it <laughs> it was all my doing Paul, yeah. obviously <laughs> now in fairness at, at Dixon's I mean a, a brilliant organization in its heyday you know four major brands Dixon's Curry's PC World the link it was just a, just an absolute factory you know of, of retail talent and I was fortunate enough to learn from a lot of the great guys then 
And then I got approached to go to uh, funds for you when Caldwell just sold it to Providence Private Equity. So I went to work there and then finished up as the chief operating officer, sort of running the day-to-day organisation. But we went through rapid growth, like starting with 300 stores and we finished with 700. We built the big direct business. So it was a, it was a great journey and yet a great learning ground as well because it was private equity backed. You know, there's no room for you know, uh, what, what we used to call corporate types, you couldn't turn up in your BMW and just clock in and clock out. If you, if you weren't adding value, you were just winged out of the business. So it was a great learning ground to, you know, to, to make sure that you knew how to do it. And I think it stood me in good stead when I went and started my own business. It gives you a bit of confidence that you can actually perform in a, in a non-corporate type environment. Yeah, it um, makes me smile there as you were talking about phones. Um, phones for you actually turned me down. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I applied for a role at Phones for you as it was just taking off, and uh, and I got the knock back for, uh, for for no reason I ever found out. So maybe, maybe I'll get you <coughs> around. And uh, but yeah, that was quite funny. So look, you you you've been you know with FaceWatch for a few years now. What attracted you to to that business, and how did you sort of make the leap to getting involved with them? It was interesting. It was it was almost by chance. I was uh, doing some. I set my own company up, and four companies. I formed a group and did four different things really. And one of them was consulting for big organisations. And I did the Dixon's Carphone merger, funny enough, straight after I helped support it. I didn't do it, but I helped go support that. And by chance, a friend knew Simon Gordon. He said, "Look, this guy's been at this facial recognition, not facial recognition, a business called Facebook, which was." Digital crime reporting at the time. He digitized it to make it easy for retailers. And I met Simon and I basically said, you know, I love your initiative. It's a fantastic initiative. It just doesn't look very commercially viable. You know, you're not charging enough and you're still reporting crimes to the police. And from a retailer's perspective, it is the bad news. The police ain't coming anymore. So you're reporting it to guys who ain't really coming. So we need to think of a system of service if you're keen to keep it going that actually deters crime not not reports it and we had an interim solution called facewatch mobile which was a, an app-based thing and then we time had been looking at facial recognition for a long time and we really literally just said look this is this is going to be the answer it's going to be one hell of a journey to try and you know turn this into reality and we've been to four different algorithm providers three different hosts you know to, to where we are now so it has been one hell of a journey but it's I mean a lot of learnings and a, and a fantastic insight and then you know catch with the what, what happened recently it's just just phenomenal I mean it's a credit to all the guys who've sort of stuck to it all stuck with it all the way through and, and credit to some of our early adopter customers who said look the problem's that big out there I'll just take the risk and I'll, I'll come with you on the, on the journey so people like Southern Co-op deserve hell of a lot of credit for for, for really you know supporting us through, through the early days and, and there you are you arrive just as uh, as, as the business explodes again so uh, you know anybody out there looking to, uh, to 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 expand their business then clearly they need to be putting in a phone call to you well, in fairness I joined a long time ago I joined 20, 2017 and, and took it from crime reporting platform to facial recognition Simon's idea was facial recognition I couldn't claim that but really just about trying to work a commercial program into a customer base who I 100% knew they needed. I mean, there's, you, you know this, Paul, there is no retailer out there, and we'll come on to it later, who I've not met who said, this is absolutely what we need. There's just the fear factor that outweighs, out, outweighs the, the confidence to actually go with the tech. And hopefully, you know, recently we've, we've, just, we've got the key to unlock all that and, and evidence suggests that's starting to happen. 
Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, we run the retail risk events around the world. And, you know, when you look at what's going on in New Zealand and Australia with, you know, the, the legislators giving the rubber stamp and people that go ahead, you know, it seems to be finally cascading around the world. So I think your timing is impeccable. And you were at Retail Risk London recently with big smiles on your faces, in particular on the face watch stand. I especially like when our uh, uh, comedian in the evening uh, even uh, named check you guys as well, Andy Parsons. Yeah, yeah. Out, out you guys. But there's been some interesting developments around facial recognition and the legislation in the UK. So come on, talk to me about it. What is that? Well, I mean, I mean, first of all, good things come in pairs, right? So the first thing that happened to us is we, we got a certificate from the surveillance uh, camera code of practice. We've been working with them, Fraser Samson, who's the UK surveillance camera commissioner. We've been working with him and we were the first facial recognition company to acquire this level of certification to a point where they said that our uh, uh, submissions in terms of the data that we provided were second to none. But the real big thing happened was that after four years of, I mean, absolute total scrutiny, you know, how our data is stored, shared, the quality of our algorithms, the accuracy, our risk policy, speaking to our customers. I mean, four years of absolute detailed interrogation. The ICO, you know, concluded in March that FaceWatch is fully compliant with UK data protection law. And it, I mean, it's just something we've been waiting for for a long, long time. And, and without question, it's been sort of stalling the growth of our business. We've got early adopters who just say, look, I'm just having it because the problems out there are too big. You know, got Mike Ashley at the Fraser Group and, and co-op and one or two others to thank for, for the support of that. But, but there's, you know, I, I've spoken, Paul, to most, not every, I can't say that, but most big retail household names that you would recognise, they've all been in the office, they've all had a demo and have gone, wow, this is amazing. We definitely need this. And then it sort of stalls when they take it up to the boardroom. You know, the lawyers get involved and the CEO gets involved and they say, look, I'm reading all this stuff about facial recognition in the press, usually put out by civil liberties. We can touch on that a bit later. And it just, it just puts the fear of God into them. Will our customers come in our stores? Will they still like us? And all the evidence suggests that in the court of public appeal, they're actually on the side of the retailer. And in the Daily Mirror, published all those findings recently that said, look, you know, people are fe fearful of it. You know, you shouldn't be scared of it. It's absolutely a legitimate technology and it's the only way we're going to help people protect their employees in retail you know, and, and, and obviously their the goods and assets and customers. Yeah, and again, when you look around the world and certain retailers are actually closing sites because the theft, yeah. the crime, the antisocial behaviour is so high, they're no longer viable. You know, again, to your point about the press, if they talk about the extra costs that are being passed on to legitimate customers. Why wouldn't you support this? You know, it's just, once you understand it, I think it just becomes absolute common sense. I think, I think the issue is, I don't think customers actually recognise that, that it's getting passed. These, all this cost of crime gets passed on, you know, and it, they finish up paying for it in the end. The worst thing for me is, and I've said this, and I'll say it publicly, you know, I've said it publicly many times, retailers have a duty of care. It was drilled into me by Stanley Carnes 20 years ago. You've got a duty of care to look after your people. We can't have a mantra saying our people are our most important asset and then physically demonstrate that they're last on our list of, of importance. So, and, and, and businesses call theft and, you know, they wrap it all into one box and they call it shrinkage. And the, I've been there, remember, the chief finance officer says, Nick, how much are we going to lose this year? We say 20 million. 
So next year we'll call it 22. He writes it into his, you know, into his provisions. But the fact of the matter is, if you're not doing everything to protect your employees, when you know, when you know today that someone's going to get verbally or violently abused in your stores, and that happens in every big retailers every day, frankly, it's shameful. It's shameful to go to work. And I've seen examples of it where you say, oh, we're doing all we can. Well, well you're not doing all you can. You're doing to a level that you think is acceptable, either politically, financially, what it is. But if your son, you know, when he's 20, or my daughter had to go work in one of these stores today, I'd, I'd be concerned about it. From some of the stuff that we see every day, you would be quite alarmed and concerned at what goes on in retail. I think a lot of it's just in the, I mean, like you say, what, something like, uh, I remember the exact number, 93% of all retail crimes or shoplifting isn't reported. 93%. So we've got this false number out there. When, when we think we've only got 7.9 million pounds of this, uh, 7.9 million incidents, we've probably got near 100 million. Yeah, know? yeah. It's yeah just it is. A, and, and, and you're right, you know, for many years, it was just <coughs> lip service was paid. I mean, I remember going back, you know, a long, long time ago as a sort of, you know, starting out in stores, 18, 19, you know, management training programmes. And it was almost, you know, a pat on the back and a badge of honour when you know, I was in the grocery side, a sort of tin of salmon bounced off your head and it was only a light flesh injury and you perhaps only needed, you know, a couple of stitches. There was no, it wasn't even taken seriously. It was sort uh, of, but, but, you know, that was a cross and store hours were increasingly longer and staffing numbers got lower and lower. And it, you know, it was out of hand then, but it was just considered, well, just get on with it. But no, yeah. you know, over time, I think people have realized the implications of this and it's escalated and escalated so well yeah, it effect, it, it effect, yeah then it affects staff morale which affects recruitment which also gets passed it all that gets passed on someone's paying the price of this I and mean, for me it's not always about it's not always about the price a, a good responsible retailer will look at everything they're doing to, to, to help a customer buy the product but also protect the customers and the, and the environment that, that they're working in and and I think the, the good thing we've been able to in our statistics we can evidence that now, where it's used in stores that it, where it's used in versus stores that it's not used in, there's a material difference yeah. in, 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 in. I think Gareth Lewis shared some fantastic figures. He frightened me to death on stage. He started his opening line by saying, Where we've put face watching our 30, 40 stores, we've seen a 1% increase in crime. And I'm about to say, I think you might have got that number wrong, Gareth. Then he said, Where we've not put it, yeah. we've seen a 44% increase. You know, where, we, where we've put in, we've seen a 17% decrease in verbal and violent assaults. Where we've not put in, we've seen a 16% increase. I mean, they're, they're pretty substantial numbers, you know? Yeah, it, it's, not, it's not a sort of subjective take, is it? It's, uh, it's no. So, look, you've got all of this amazing data. We've got the change in legislation. What are the implications of this shift, do you think, for, for FaceWatch? Well, the early implications are that we've, we've all the... Again, not all. A lot of the customers we've spoken to, the big ones, uh, we've got, uh, I think from the day it was announced, six or seven major high street retailers. We've got three going to going to trial. They obviously like to trial it first to get their own evidence. They speak to existing customers, the bigger ones, and then they trial it for themselves. So it's a, it's, it can be quite a slow burn, but that, there's no issue with that. We want them to reassure themselves. We, we know that from a technology point of view, you know, the tech does exactly what you want the tech to do. We, we've absolutely got no concerns about that or how we manage and look after the data. 
Often it's down to their operational execution. You know as a retailer, I know as a retailer, it's all right a thief coming in and, and stealing from you, but if you don't report it, you're never gonna, he's never gonna trigger an alert on the system. So you, they have to drive a degree of operational behavior at, at, you know, at store level. And we work with them, we're a SaaS business. So we, we don't, we're not a tech, we don't see ourselves as a tech business. We provide the, we provide the kit, obviously, because of the rental model, but we, we, we're there, we hold the hand all the way through it, do the training and, and we provide the reporting and, and, and post-sell support. So that's the sort of model. Where do I see it growing? Well. I think it'll. I think it'll be a relatively speedy adoption by the people who are, let's call, less political. Yeah. And and uh, and then it, you get your momentum from people saying, "Well, we can't. We, you know, we're going to get exposed if we don't do this." And if you put it into a big food retailer, all the evidence that we've got, Gareth Lewis is the best example. He's got he's got Portsmouth and surrounding area totally dominated. He's seen his, his crime as a percentage go down. That's, those guys haven't gone away. They've just gone somewhere else. Right? Yeah, so. yeah. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. 3X Logic. You know, you sort of alluded to a few that have gone on trial there. I'm guessing whoever looks after the sales for Face Wash has probably got a spring in her or his step at the moment. Uh, phone calls are coming back in, emails are being replied to. When, you know, when's when's the first big announcement? When's the name going to be any that you well, the, Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, the, the big the big customer, the, the, we've got a few big ones in the pipeline. The big one that we've got at the moment is Fraser Group. So we're doing, we've, we've, pretty much done all the flannel stores now. We've, we've done the big uh, sports directs. We're doing some announcer Fraser stores and then we'll start on their, their third rollout. They've done two major rollouts, their third one. There are, I mean, obviously, while we're in a trial stage, we can't really disclose who they are, but you, I, I, would, I would anticipate that by September, October, you'll start to hear of some of these big household names who've got, you know, one, one, one uh, retailer we're dealing with got in excess of, Two two and a half thousand stores. They've got a lot of them have a European footprint, so they're asking if it works in the UK, what can we do in Europe? Well, we've got to work within the legislation in Europe, so we'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But our sort of model to start with was to crack the UK. Although we're getting, I went out into uh, Cleveland last summer to meet a lot of the US retailers and to go to a conference out there. A lot of interest out there, but as you as you're aware in the US, very straight state driven and controlled. So. You can only really go to states that are more more open to the open to its use, liberal minded, as, as I suspect. Yeah, it's increasingly becoming uh, just uh, fifty plus individual countries just within one border, isn't it? In the US, what's going Correct. on? So uh, yeah, yeah, exactly the same issues. It was interesting that we described. I, I witnessed a, a talk about California, uh, what they're doing in California, what what they're not able to do in California. You know, in California, you can steal. Uh, $900 worth of product yeah. and, and you can go from the same mile to the mile in, in, a, in a shopping mall you can do seven stores in one mile and they're not allowed to link this crimes together so the cats say just a minute they've been in and stolen $7,000 worth of stuff no we can't do that so they, they can't I mean you've got the, you've got challenges like that but but it, that when they describe what's going on in the US, you, you could have been sat in a conference in London, yeah. violence up, abuse up, crime up, less police. Yeah. Same story. 
Yeah, and then I guess the light at the end of the tunnel perhaps is some of the states are now rolling back on that retail crime legislation, aren't they? Particularly those yeah. where big brands have been closing stores. So, you know, Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember yeah. years ago, I was involved on the periphery of the very, very early days of the RFID trials in the US. And again, you touched on it earlier, the moment the sort of the, there was the, the privacy campaigners got hold of the fact that, you know, they were putting out this messaging that Walmart would be able to drive down the street and scan into your house to see what you'd got. And so legislation actually came on the statute books that required RFID yeah. tags to be disabled when they left the stores. And it was, yeah. it was bonkers how it went through and it literally just killed the trial. Um, yeah, honestly, Paul, we, we, we suffer from the same. I mean, I, I call it some, there's some seriously irresponsible journalism out there. You, you can basically make a story up. I mean, the stuff that Big Brother Watch put out is it, completely fabricated. I mean, it's just a narrative made up using Chinese cameras with Chinese algorithms who are logged into some penitentiary. I mean, it's just absolutely rubbish. We don't use Chinese algorithms. We don't use Chinese cameras now going forward, you know? So it, they, they're knowingly misleading people to instill fear, to demonize the technology, to talk about... I mean, Big Brother Watch used the same phrase for five years. It's Orwellian. It's frankly chilling. Uh, it's 90, 98% inaccurate. Well, who's going who's to have a decent business with a 98% inaccuracy rate? Mm. They'll track and trace you and your kids so you'll, they'll know where, where you are all the time. You'll be racially profiled. I mean, it's just you can write it. It's just absolute rubbish. And I think that's where I think people have seen and heard this too much, and they've seen crime keep going up all the time. They recognise they're paying for it. They're seeing retailers acting responsible way, saying, "Look, I'm protecting my employees." You know, I mean, my cash is quite clear. When he said it, I'll do it. Everybody thinks it's just about cash, but when you meet that team, they weren't. They were, that didn't come into it. They said, "Look." I'm just sick of the guys running in and it's getting a bit dangerous in my stores. Well, let's cut the, cut the crime. And it calls crime, you know, finance as well as abuse. Yeah. They're staying in high you goods, remember. You know, they, that's organised crime. You know, they get an order to go get five Dionysus Gucci handbags. You know, it's a £20,000 order from, from Mr Big somewhere. And they'll get them at any cost. And yeah. that'll mean running in, grabbing it and punching somebody. And he said, I'm not having it anymore. And so, he, so he took the plunge with it. And, you know, he's been... It's been proven when you say to him, is it working for you? Well, it just keeps rolling it out. We're not doing one or two stores. We're doing 150, 200 stores a time. You know, so it's a quite an extensive rollout. And the evidence yeah. is there. And, and, you know, on the high street, particularly the flannels part of the business, but, you know, like you say, other parts of the Fraser's group, they've got, you know, highly sought after products, which are, you know, like you say, to order and easily sold. So, you know, what, what better place to, to test the technology? And like you say, you know, there are no mugs there either, are they? So, uh, you know, they know. No, uh, it's a, a smart, smart business and a smart, really good operating model. And the polar opposite of that, by the way, is the co-op, is the spa group that we're in. You know, in a spa group, we just put 60 cameras into one of the big spa groups up north. We're in Gareth's doing 30, is considering doing more stores. That's the other end of the customer. That's guys who are feeding habits a lot of the time, you know. 70, you know, you know the statistics, 79% are repeat offenders. Yeah. So... If you start stopping these guys, you, your, your crime goes like that. It takes a massive drop because it's the same 10 guys nicking from you. You know, they just nick a lot of stuff. And, and, and then they, they go somewhere else. Yeah, no, I remember that back in the days. You, you even knew their faces and uh, you even knew yeah. what time of the day they'd need their fix. So they had to come in and steal something to, to sell it, to get it. So, yeah, it, it's what you're dealing with. So, look, you must be, you know, so excited and, and almost, I guess, <coughs> 
we're as, as an industry, we're almost relieved that you've persevered for these number of years to to get the tech there. Because I think you know those of us a neutral perspective, we've been looking on and going, oh, for goodness sake, can we just get things like this over the line? Because you know they're going to make a difference yeah. to the to the to the overall. But next 12, 18 months, is it about consolidating the tech within the UK? I know people are pushing you for for other countries. I presume you know big lot big vacancy sign gone up outside the the office to get tons of stuff in what what's the plan to to sort of really push this forward now so so the the, the there's a i mean the 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 broad plan is that let's let's address the uk market because i think we've achieved you know the sort of microsoft gold star equivalent yeah the ico were very clear We've, we've been all over you guys. It didn't say it like this, but this is what they meant. We've been all over you guys for four years. We've looked under every carpet, in every cupboard. You, we've asked to send you information. We've had information from your customers. We've thematically reviewed your sites. There's no no unturned stone. And then when they finally said it to us, they said, we, you know, the level of compliance, the level of diligence of how you manage data, the fact you've got a very senior data protection, blah, blah, blah. We're going we're gonna to give you the green light. But, and they actually even wrote, if you read their article, it says, this don't give everybody a green light. We're just giving these guys a green light. So, well, so it, great, it gives us a great USP. So the USP is, we spoke to a lot of existing customers. We know their barriers to entry. It used to be fear of using the technology and will it affect my footfall, which is proven to be not effective whatsoever. Uh, and now they've got the only, you know, you know, qualified, you know, reputable business that says that can actually provide the service that you want. And frankly, if you take a risk with anybody else, you would be taking a risk. So and there's no need to do that. And from all the dealings we've had with the big retailers, I can't see that happening. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for us in the UK, but we are having conversations with uh, businesses overseas, specifically the USA. We're, we're in a, we've got a partnership out in the USA, which, we, which we've been in dialogue with backwards and forwards there's definitely a lot of potential and opportunity out there uh, our algorithm partners are uk based organizations and, and they come from a, a pedigree of uh, of a business that preloaded software into computers as a, as a standard uh, bill of materials so they know the history of how to penetrate markets but they they make tech they don't look after data so you can see how the relationship has the potential to work so you've got to go penetrate markets and then australia uh, Brazil, we've already been to, as you know. Um, we're talking to a partner in the, in the South America who uh, wants to be a face watch reseller, a, a, bunch of legal, a bunch of ex-legal guys, actually. So, yeah, I mean, but I've just said, look, guys, the, the, the UK retail market, you know, you're not selling to an audience that, that might want your system. You're selling to an audience that, you know, 100% needs your service. It's, it's whether, they, whether they're prepared to take the bravery pill to step, try it and step over the threshold. And what we've seen is half a dozen, what you would recognize as substantially sized businesses saying, look, we're, we're seriously interested now. Can we start a trial? So we're, we're, we're going to start doing first three, get three installs next month across three different big retail stores. Hopefully I'll give you an update by Christmas and be able to name some names. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, following the crowd, peer validation, whatever, you know, however. Yeah want to be on the terminology or kind um but it feels from the outside looking in as if once these trial and you know these trials will show you know what we know they're going to show i'm expecting like you say in a few months time you'll have some successes and then um 
you know, we'll uh, we'll look forward to a huge party at uh, at the wine bar to uh, to celebrate uh, exactly the UK market. Well, as you well as you know, it's um, these are these are what what they call advocacy driven businesses. You know, my other business, Forecourt I, we started off with we one retailer, one petrol station, right? I don't think we've ever done. I think maybe once we did some above the line advertisement with the Petrol Retail Association. We go in their magazine every year, but it's limited to whoever's a member. There's eight and a half thousand forecourts, and there's you know there's there's very few members of that. But it becomes by advocacy. One retail uses a service, they just recommend it, and now we've got like thirteen hundred sites. Mm. And I think Face Watch will be the same. You know that when you go to retail risk, you see a lot of the same guys that say. And that network will just develop. They'll say, look, we're trying it. How, how's it working for you? It's great. All right, good. Can, can we come and have a look at it? And, you know, it'll, it'll happen, a lot of the networking will happen without me knowing. The, 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 they've got a network among themselves and they'll go see the system for themselves by the, you know, their friends, the loss prevention director, the security at one business, and they'll go see the mayor who's at another. That, that's great. And then that's, that's tend to be how all these leads have come, to be yeah. fair. They've gone, they've gone to Fraser's, they know some of the senior guys at Fraser's, they've gone to see it, they said, how's it working for you? I've got a 10 times return on investment in my first year. Wow. I'll come and, you know, that's, that's what's happening. Re retail risk has been dining out on that inevitability since 2002. You know, we, you know, Bob gets to a retail risk show, has a catch up with Jane, how's things going? Oh, yeah. they've never believed the results we've got from... Uh, face watch oh right okay you need to tell me about that no come and have a look so you know yeah. we, we, it is the way isn't it it's that validation you know and, and the far more and, than the sales brochure and, and as you say and it works exactly the same way for retail risk in your business it will for ours you know advocacy is is a better you, you turn your customers into a sales force it's better than paul selling retail risk or nick selling face watch turn up getting someone saying you want to come along to this you don't know what you're missing you know, you want to come and see, you don't know what you're missing. And people will buy and be engaged more from their peers than they will from them. We're expected to sell our businesses. They're not. Yeah. So, yeah. Look, Nick, um, I'm going to take you up on that <coughs> offer of getting you back on later in the year. So October time-ish, whenever those first uh, trials turn into, uh, into, into advocates that, uh, that you can name, let's get you back on. I'm delighted uh, that, that you managed to take the time to talk to me today. I'm thrilled that Facewatch is uh, uh, is on a charge, that you've got the, the rubber stamp. I shall watch the business with interest. But for now, Nick, thank you very much indeed. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. There we go. We are done.